Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to How to Cope. Every episode, writer Becky Howard, that's me, and my friend psychotherapist Lucy Clyde will be talking about how we can look after our mental health during the coronavirus crisis and beyond. Because whatever type of pandemic you're having, lockdown with your family or on your own, with kids or without, it's hard on all of us. So let's try and get through it the best way we can, by talking. This week, we're talking about loneliness. So, Lucy. Yeah. This week, we're, we're going to explore one of the biggest, I think it's one of the, the major things that everyone is experiencing in some way. Um, which is loneliness. And it kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's so linked, isn't it, to even the word isolation. You know, we were all told to go into isolation um, quite early on if there was any kind of health, you know, hiccups going on. And people are describing it all the time. That's how they're referring to their life, being in isolation. And loneliness, feeling lonely, is a huge um, consequence of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really unifying feature, and uh, I, you know, one of the things I'm hearing a lot is how people are struggling with varying forms of loneliness, and I think you know sometimes if you are struggling with that, it's useful to think about what the difference, you know, what what loneliness actually is, because you know, loneliness isn't necessarily being by yourself. Being by yourself can be solitude, and solitude is chosen. Right. Solitude is like, I need to get away and I'm going to go and I'm going to go and sit somewhere peaceful. I'm going to be on my own and actually feel quite good, you know, feel recharged, feel okay. Uh, and so solitude is elected, yeah. But loneliness is often not chosen. And loneliness is not just um, being on your own, but it's it's about a lack of connection. So it's that's why people sometimes talk about being, feeling lonely in crowds or lonely in cities is because you're surrounded by people but you have no emotional connection to any of those people around you you know loneliness is about feeling disconnected and i think one of the things about this whole um pandemic is that we've all become a bit disconnected you know we've become disconnected from the structures that hold us we've become disconnected from our jobs we've got disconnected from our routines disconnected from the people that we often see every day if you go into work and so lots of people who aren't necessarily alone are beginning to feel very very lonely and obviously if you are physically alone then your people are feeling really lonely because that is a big one isn't it because 
we were when we were talking about the um, parenting thing in the last episode, obviously, you know, if you're parenting, you're not going to be physically alone. But there's the challenges with all these other people that just won't leave you alone. Um, But when you are physically alone in lockdown, if you are actually on your own, um, or perhaps you're in a shared house, but you're not, you know, particularly friendly with your housemates. So you're, you're, you know, essentially on your own, aren't you? How, how does that manifest itself? Like with kind of me- on a mental health level of how hard is that to be physically alone? Well, I think it's, I think it's one of those things, that, you know, lots of people have um, uh, a capacity to, to cope with that for a point you know but everybody has their limits and different people will hit their limits at different times but I think once you do start to hit your limits it becomes quite a cumulative experience so um people will start to just get kind of very very miserable I think and one of the problems with loneliness um that feeling of disconnection is that you then become disinclined to connect is this because you lose the will or lose the habit or I think what you lose what with connections, what tends to happen is it's mutual, right? So somebody pulls us into a connection with them or we generate a mutual connection with somebody. It has to have energy. It has to have momentum, right? Mm. So you have to have two people who want to have a chat. If one of you wants to have a chat and the other is just not interested, <laughs> it's not going to go very far, is it? And relationship- Have you been at my house again, Lucy? Have you been spying <laughs> on my conversations with my husband? <laughs> I know where you live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is worrying now. But, but you're you know, so right. It's the yeah. mutual. I can't say this word. Mutuality of yes, the of the exchange, and yeah. I think what I found really, really interesting that struck me the first time I went out to the supermarket because um, we'd had to be in self isolation for two to three weeks. So I hadn't spoken to another human a physical person, another, you know, in person for a long time. And I went to the supermarket and when I was at the till, I would, I was literally trying to get the life story out of the cashier because I was so, and I was buzzing. I was desperate for this connection and this chit chat. That's, you know, it's not meaningful, is it? But I found it really, really restorative. And actually then I felt really teary when I went to leave because I was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to my my home and just these are the same people again. And it's that need for connection, isn't it, that powers us all? It, it's, I mean, it's crucial. We, you know, we are, we are hardwired for connection. We are relational beings and we, we, we don't do very well without it, actually. So uh, if we find ourselves without meaningful connection for long periods of time, uh we tend to get very sad uh there are links to kind of problems with physical health and the thing about the disinclination to 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 then try and connect is is a really interesting thing because we you know we lose a degree of relational energy you know we and some and and, and if it goes on for long enough we lose faith you know we lose faith that we have the capacity to connect or that anybody wants to connect with us and we we lose the skill in how to do it and you know so it becomes a sort of it goes on too long it can become a bit of a self-fulfilling problem but again it's one of those weird things isn't it that what's kind of crazily unique about this is that people that you know obviously millions of people would have felt lonely um prior to this um pandemic lockdown but now we're all going through this and we're all sharing 
this um, collective loneliness, whether that is physically desperate for, you know, you're, you're on your own, so you miss physical closeness with another human or whether you just miss engagement with friends and or engagement with, you know, people in shops and and all those like micro engagements we're all experiencing a degree of loneliness and we're all talking about it so it feels like in you know perhaps a tiny positive that maybe some of the stigma around describing yourself as lonely is going what do you think I think that's a really, really, really good point because I think it's kind of, it's becoming a bit of a, unfortunately, it's becoming something of a default setting. You know, then there's this kind of, as you say, there's this given that lots and lots of people are experiencing a kind of base level of, of loneliness. And I think there's a great deal of shame attached to loneliness because, you know, you must be a loser, right, if you're lonely. And and it's not true. Actually, loneliness is just part of the human condition. We all experience it at various times in our lives. Um, there's, you know, some research that says that actually older people are more tolerant of it because they've come to understand that it is just part of life that we can't be deeply connected meaningfully connected all the time one of the things I've heard which is really really fascinating is that for some people their loneliness feels their pre-existing loneliness feels less difficult because there's less pressure to go and sort it out so they'd be going oh my god I'm lonely I'm feeling lonely right well so I must join a club or I must yeah yeah or I must attack this or I'm you know and actually no you can't you can't can't. do anything about it and actually everybody's you know nobody's feeling fantastic lots and lots and lots of people are feeling quite lonely so it sort of it becomes less shameful that's a really I, I think that's not that's not a bad thing and I remember being like you said mortified in my teen years especially when I felt lonely And I never, ever, ever would have admitted it to anyone because, like you said, I thought that made me a failure, like a loser. You know, I didn't have enough friends. I wasn't winning some kind of popularity contest that only went on in my head, you know. Well, I mean, better have a contagious disease as a teen. (laughs) Really better to have a really, really contagious, disgusting disease than to admit the teen years are so lonely. All Mm. teens are a bit lonely. Really, it's, you know, I was, you were, it's, it's, it's a lonely, lonely, lonely old time because we don't know who the hell we are. One of the things um, we were thinking about when it comes to loneliness is where you are on the introversion, extroversion kind of scale. Um, I think of myself as an introverted extrovert. No, hang on. I always get this the wrong way. (laughs) No, hang on. I think of myself as an extroverted introvert, if that's not being too uh fence sitting because I think fundamentally I'm an introvert who needs a lot of space and quiet time and I like being on my own but I I get I do buzz off the company of others you're okay with a night in by yourself absolutely I'd love it you love it and so I'm gonna gonna ask you a quick question then we're gonna work out your introversion extroversion thing in a very unscientific very informal so um so let's imagine Right. This is this is not scientific. This is not this is not formal. This is okay. silly, right? But so let's imagine that uh, you've had. Let's cast our mind back to pre-pandemic times. Those those Ooh, heady yes, times. And let's imagine that you've had a, a bad day, uh, and that it rained, and that your bag broke, and that everything went wrong at work, and that all the little things that could have gone right all went completely wrong. And mm-hmm. you come home. Now, what do you a start 
texting phoning people and telling them all about it oh my god you won't believe it and then my bag broke and then the rain went in my shoe and then blah 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 or do you just put the phone down and walk away i probably would do the latter i would i would need to decompress and i would need to do that on my own because i imagine that like you know in these halcyon days of all of that stress i would have been surrounded by people all the time and i would have been probably commuting and that would have been too much yeah you would have found that overloading right yeah you what are, about you you are, you are on the introversion you're, you're you're somewhere on the introversion spectrum well i'm i'm what's known as an ambivert uh which means i what sit... <laughs> i know what <laughs> it sounds like you're a frog <laughs> no i think i'm 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 in the middle but with but i'm i'm more on the introversion end so with people who are on the introversion scale um does it follow that you if you were this if you were there that you would find this slightly easier to bear than someone who is more on the extroversion side does that follow I suspect so. I mean, again, I haven't done any research, but I have been talking to people because I've been really, really curious about this. I've been really wondering. And I think the people who are higher on the extroversion scale are beginning to really, really struggle right now. And I think it might be one of the few times in the history of humanity when us introverts might start to feel a little sorry for the extroverts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all of this book reading, it's keeping us going. All yeah. of this quiet solitude, chosen, chosen solitude, if you can get any. I think a lot of extroverts are very optimistic at the beginning as well, because they tend to be quite an optimistic bunch. So, you know, they were quite kind of, oh, this is going to be fine. And we're going to, you know, we're going to build a brave new world. I mean, I heard I heard a lot of that from people. I heard uh, there was a few people I was speaking to about it. And at the beginning, they were kind of like, this is an opportunity to uh, change things for the better and all this kind of stuff. And there was a lot of energy because they're extroverts of energy around a lot of energy around change which is what makes extroverts so fantastic and also now really 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 struggling because they just aren't getting enough they're just not being fed enough you know they're not and it's hard it's really hard I think are the extroverts all those people who would have bought embroidery kits and massive puzzles in this over ambitious kind of excitement of all the things that you're going to do during lockdown and <laughs> quite, quite, I don't know. Quite possibly. I mean, that's that's a piece of research that's yet to be done, as far as I'm aware, Becky. So maybe you know, one for you to add to your list. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so because we're because we are all lonely in some yeah. respect, you know, at different different degrees of. One of the things that everyone seems to be saying, like, thank God we're we're going through this now because we have the tech to go some way to alleviate it right you know and everyone always says like just imagine if this happened 20 years ago when we couldn't do FaceTime we couldn't see our friends or our family or our work colleagues on a Zoom call we couldn't WhatsApp people we couldn't stay connected in the way that we can so easily now but what's what I noticed from my experience and and from others I was chatting to is that when it all started we were all in this frenzy of Um, digital communication weren't we we were all absolutely going nuts for setting up zoom calls and parties and whatsapps and and connecting trying to forge these connections as much as we could and then there has set in a little bit of fatigue why is it so fatiguing why why has that kind of set up set in after a few weeks well I think I think there's a few reasons I think there's there's kind of there's 
there's a sort of a mechanical reason and an emotional reason. So the, the mechanical reason is this, just start with the boring one, um, is that, you know, um, when you're talking to somebody over video, so we are talking to each other over a video link now to do this. Yes, because so we're I, being responsible. Very, we're not in the same room. Um, so, uh, you know, I can see you and I can hear you. And so my brain is registering you. There you are. Uh, but I can't feel you in the way that I would if you and I in, were in the same room together. And that's that's a bit of a that's a bit of a disconnect. So if I was, for example, looking to you for some emotional support, it would be, you know, I'm sure you'd be great at it, but I might not feel it in quite the way I would if you and I were in the same room together because I can't with you know, we aren't there. We aren't having that body to body resonance. We're having, having that relational resonance, which, yeah. which we all need. You know, we I'm not not picking up on the vibe so much so that creates a sort of a, a a level of emotional tension in your body you're kind of you're waiting for something to happen that doesn't happen you're waiting to get a feeling a physical sensation this is all unconscious by the way you're not actually sitting there going well oh, I wonder when I'm going to feel this this is all going on within your body and and it's just not going it just doesn't come so it, it kind of feels a bit weird in that sense you feel a bit well I'm connecting but I'm a bit disconnected at the same time so that that feels a bit tense and then you've also got that aspect haven't you that um has been pointed out about because you're not in the same room and because there is this obviously slight lag like tiny tiny lag between um seeing what someone's doing and hearing their voice you have to i mean i don't know the science obviously um arts graduate here but it's something to do with trying to pick up your brain is having to work harder to communicate because you're having to there's a lag between the way someone's looking and what they're saying your poor little brain is is a bit overwhelmed by trying to process this all. You're lacking the in person like vibe, the, the the sense of someone, the shape of someone, the the the, atmos- the kind of vibe they give off, and so therefore, it isn't the same. It is a kind of diet version of the full fat, <laughs> you know, <laughs> person experience. What a nice way to put it. You're yeah, so nice. it's diet yeah. friendship, isn't it? It's diet it's connection. God, yes, it is, isn't it? It's kind of, you know, it's just a bit less satisfying. It doesn't taste as good. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't taste the same. And you can't make it. No, you you're right. Think. You're right. I think that's really good. That's a really, that's a really good thing. And I think the other thing, you know, the kind of the more emotional problem with it is that, you know, we're missing out on all the non-verbal communications so we're missing out on all the cues so actually sometimes in these conversations it's really hard to know when to jump in you oh know, god there's this so massive lag, so you can't tell like is it okay for me to speak now or is it isn't and you can't read somebody's mood and it's really hard to retain maintain build create a connection with somebody when you can't read their mood and they can't read yours i absolutely 100 percent agree um i have found um, the hardest sort of communication have been the large Zoom gatherings for that exact reason, because it you, you have to behave in a way that you would never behave in a group setting, because in a group setting, you probably all you wouldn't sit there standing in a room full of 20 all listening to one person, would you? And, you know, and you'd all hive off into smaller groups. And also people, you all chat over each other in real life. And it's fine. If you chat over each other in Zoom, it just it messes obviously it messes up the whole camera thing of of who's talking and it feels rude doesn't it so everyone just shuts up then there's awkward silence then someone has to start talking there's no flow 
it's really really stilted and really artificial and i think i mean i don't know about you i mean i, I suppose i i would say this because i'm slightly on the introversion spectrum and i imagine you find it too but i find it completely overwhelming having too many people on on zoom i just i can't deal it's too much it's too much information coming at me at once and therefore really disconnecting because you're overwhelmed so you're stepping back so you're moving away from the connection you know i have had moments where i've felt worse after one of these purported great social interactions than I did before um and what's worked for me is just being a little bit less gung-ho about it and and not setting these things up because actually we we don't I wouldn't speak to these people every single week necessarily you know there are some people I would and some people I wouldn't and it's it's hard isn't it to get the right balance because there's also the element that everyone knows that you're here. So if you don't want to join a Zoom call, what what is the acceptable way to back out of it now? Well, um, you could try having, uh, um, you know, downloading a the sound of a smoke alarm onto your phone <laughs> and setting that off. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Something's on fire. Yeah, no, go. I mean, I think you've got some terrible problem if you do it for too long. Like you're a kind of yeah. arsonist. But, you know, uh, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the thing is, as with all of this stuff, right, this is we are in this massive, massive, massive period of adjustment. Right. So we, this is all new to all of us. And we're all desperately trying to import the life that we had before into the life that we have now. And it's just innately unsuccessful. You can't do it. And I think that whole kind of frantic scrabbling at the beginning of this all to kind of get onto social media and you know to get onto zoom and to whatsapp i found it completely overwhelming i just kind yeah. of I had, to, I had to you know shut my phone off for a couple of days because i was getting kind of a bit bombarded but um i think it's that thing it's quite an anxious response is it it's like oh my god i'm gonna lose something i'm gonna lose something I'm gonna... so we hang on to it even tighter we clutch on and we completely overdo it and we get a bit manic and it that's that mainly is unsustainable and i think actually really we need to kind of get our heads around the fact that you know life is not as it was and it can't be and we can't import things from the way they were into the way they are now and things like zoom take them take if you're using them socially, I mean, maybe for work, they're one thing, but if you're using them socially, that's, that's a whole new thing. That's a whole new way of communicating. It's a new experience. One that doesn't involve hiving off into small groups or, you know, Mm. a, a great deal of conversational flow and to sort of arrive with the expectation that it would be the same as if you were sitting, there were 10 of you in around the table in a pub is going to set yourself up for some tricky feelings about it. And, and and a great, great sense of pressure. And I think, you know, when we are going through major adjustments, the, the, the key to slightly surviving them, I think, is to take the pressure off and to be able to to be able to, you know, we all have social boundaries, right? We all have uh, things where we go, actually, I don't really want to do that thing. Or we say no to some things and yes to others. Or we find excuses to leave things early or show up things a little bit late or we hide behind our work or you know we all find ways of carving out our social boundaries which we haven't yet I don't think during this pandemic found and I think you know we will get there we will find ways of saying actually no that don't involve setting smoke alarms on often just the easiest and best way through it of just saying I am I'm just not up for it tonight I just really I'm feeling done in and and I know you know I'll catch up with you soon but you know we obviously worry about upsetting people but I think there is a collective sense of everyone does feel a bit overwhelmed by it and we can't replicate these connections 
we can't mitigate our loneliness 100%. No, but we can go some way to alleviate it. And just, and you know, shared experiences is, is really, really useful in that. So actually connecting with people, but find it in a way that you can tolerate. And like you said, kind of everyone knows you're around. So, you know, yeah. you, you can't, you know, short of setting your house, you know, ablaze, which I really, really don't recommend. Uh, you know, you, 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 you don't have those inbuilt social boundaries at all. And actually being overloaded is as maddening as being underloaded and there has to be there has to be a way you know we have to find and we have to cut each other and ourselves quite a lot of slack around that and know that we need to find our own level in all of this and find ways of not only maintaining boundaries ourselves but respecting other people's in that regard as well that's really really important and maybe it's maybe it's having those honest having that confidence and to be honest about what is fine for you and what isn't because again it is it is such an individual experience isn't it but um I think that's a really good I think that's a really good place to leave it and I'm gonna always think now about my um I'm just gonna keep looking forward to the day when I can have a full fat social interaction to to alleviate my my loneliness because you know my loneliness around my female friends and my other family members oh my goodness yeah whipped cream syrup you know (laughs) a lot yeah this is now going down a whole other (laughs) yeah no let's hold the sack (laughs) let's just draw the line there yeah yeah let's just draw it there (laughs) okay let's catch up again lucy all right see you soon becky bye thanks bye Thanks for listening to How to Cope with Becky Howard and Lucy Clyde. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review, like and subscribe. It makes a huge difference and we really appreciate it. The music is Cold Funk by Kevin McLeod and used under a Creative Commons licence. You can follow us on Twitter too at cope underscore podcast. Thanks again and check in soon for the next episode of How to Cope. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.